The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Is Bo Bichette now a top three shortstop? Will you take him over Francisco Lindor? Who's the closer in Texas? We answer those questions and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson. He's Fred Zinke. We got a lot to talk about today. We had two games in the books already for a uh, rare for a Tuesday, but a couple of double headers. Uh, the Pirates beat the Reds and the Rays beat the Jays. One of these games means a little bit more than the other, but mm-hmm. enough about the Reds. Uh, no. Um, it, it, Fred, let, let's start right off with your Jays. Uh, very topical right now. Uh, they've been on a heater, beat the Rays last night, but they lose today. Jeffrey Spink, Springs pitches very well. Uh, and, you know, they finally cool off Bo Bichette just a little bit. 11 pitch at bat to end that game. Yeah, and uh, actually, I can give you a great uh, baseball, real life fan versus fantasy moment. Is yesterday, okay. I, I think. I think you have some Pete Fairbanks shares this week in your active lineup. Is that correct? I believe so. And as do I. And yesterday, I was watching that Jays game, and Bichette was up in the eighth inning, and the Jays were trailing by one. And I thought, oh, the Jays fan in me right now wants Bichette to homer. The mm-hmm. fantasy manager in me knows that if they get Bichette out. Pete Fairbanks is going to come in for the ninth inning and I could really use that save. So <laughs> what do I, and we're, and we're down to the nitty gritty on both the blue Jays and the fantasy season. Yes, Right. And I was like, oh, what do I want right now? Anyways, I was like, no, no, the blue Jays fan and you want to hit the blue Jays fan and you want to hit. I was all, what I decided is I was like, please don't just don't like tie it. And then, right lose the game anyways and lose my save chance anyways as we all know Bichette delivered his heroic wall scraping homer and the Jays won and then today I was rewarded for sticking with my fandom because Fairbanks got the save in the win today yeah but at the expense of Bichette an 11 pitch at bat to end the game he still Bichette still had two hits I didn't see today I didn't get to see I was at work so I didn't get to see today's game so I didn't cheer against my Blue Jays I was still okay you're Hopefully still at school te- uh, teaching. All right. That's very right. good. Yeah. Um, well, they're now the Rays are back to a half game ahead of the Jays. Uh, they're five and a half behind the Yankees. Six J- Blue Jays are six behind. Let's face it. Both teams. I mean, they're they're in the wild card, but it's pretty much they're, they're in. I mean, the, the Orioles, I suppose, could go on a run. The White Sox, I guess, could really have to like win out to make it uh, close. But let's face it. 
the wild card is basically those three teams. It's the ordering that needs to be determined. Yeah, I, I mean, it's jockeying for home field. I think getting home field for that best of three would be huge. And then after that, if you don't get home field, personally, as a Jays fan, I may rather play the AL Central champ than play either the Mariners or Rays. So, mm-hmm. but either way, I don't think it's a massive, you're, you're playing for that that home game. I like how it's set up right now. I think there's how baseball has it set up right now. I think there's a lot of little hidden motivators within making the postseason. You want to make it, but then you also want to see if you can be at home in the first round. And then you also want to see if you can avoid the first round completely. That's not an option for the Jays right now, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of little tiers within the playoff teams. Uh, yeah. I like, and obviously Bo Bichette is right now powering the Jays towards the playoffs. Cause he's, I'd say the hottest hitter in baseball in the last couple of weeks. It's not such a bad thing to be the sixth seed if you face the Guardians in round one. Right, um, right. You know, instead of facing the other wild card, which is probably a better team. Although the Guardians, I mean, there's, they're weird. I don't think they're a pushover. They're not a pushover at all. No, no not no. at all. No. But do you really want to face Castillo and well, the, the, the trio of Seattle pitchers in the playoffs? I don't think I do. Not really. Especially, yeah, especially on the road, I wouldn't. I don't know. No. And then the Rays obviously pitch so well. They might they might not even use a starter in one of their playoff games and still win and yeah. pitch really well. So, yeah, finishing sixth wouldn't be bad. Although I think I'd still rather have my team be the first wild card. And, and host the three games. And yeah. host the games, I think. And maybe have a team have to deal with not having a player not being able to come to Toronto. That's possible too, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Robbie Ray, right, was not able to come to Toronto earlier this year. That would be so, kind of significant. Now, we'll see if, if we'll if see. He's yeah, made a decision exactly. to change that just in case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I did want to talk about Bichette for a minute because I was interested in your thoughts on like. So now, after this heater, like his OPS now is eight oh four. Okay, so we were drafting Bichette in the top five this year. Yeah, overall. Yeah. Right. So okay. not among shortstops overall. Okay, yeah. so now let's play the what's changed game. So his, his OPS now is 804. Last year was 828. So not much. And the year before was 8, 840. So like not much has changed. 804 to 828. Home runs. He needs five to get to where he was last year. That's not a not a big gap. Like he's probably going to get within a couple, if not matching it. Runs and RBIs. He's down a bit. That's because the Jays aren't quite as high scoring as part of that. But his RBI total will probably be not quite what it was last year, but it'll probably be like within five or six, the runs will be down a little more. It's the steals is yeah. the big difference is he's got nine. So let's say he finishes with 11 or something like that. And last year he had 25. Um, that's the big difference. And that one to me is quite surprising for. Well, it's not just that he has fewer steals. It's that he was caught once last year and he's been that's caught right. eight times this year. That's right. Uh, so he's, he's tried 17 last year. He tried 26. By the end of the year, he might try 21 or 22, which isn't that different from 26. He just hasn't done as well at it. Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't know where that leaves us going into next year, but that that will be, I guess, the biggest variable that will decide whether you, someone has Bo Bichette as like like a second round type player. Yeah, I don't think there's any case for him in the first round, but I think as a second round type player, or if they have him lower than that, is whether you project him next year for like ten steals or twenty. Well, and to that point, I was listening to uh, the sleeper in the bus uh, with Jason Collette and Justin Mason. They were talking about the impact of the rules change, mm-hmm. rule, rule changes, which is something it's kind of I didn't really talk about yet. But uh, it's obviously a big deal. Uh, and the, one of the big deals is the two disruptions by the pitcher uh, yes. and the bigger bases also, for that matter. Um, 
I think there's going to be a lot more stolen bases next year. Bobachet seems like someone that would benefit from that. But he'll, he'll, will he benefit more than any other fast? Guy? Right, right. So he'll benefit because he might steal more bases. At the same time, the total amount of steals will go up, which I guess takes the weight of each steal down. Mm-hmm. Um, I anticipate, although I haven't got too deep, I haven't got deep in it yet at all, but I anticipate, for example, changing the weight of the value of a stolen base in my SGPs. Do you think yeah, for sure. you'll be doing that probably too and making them less valuable than they were this year? I will, but you know, I also don't think they're gonna. It's gonna benefit everybody equally, right? You know, I think some will obviously benefit more than others. So, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, That's I think a really tricky one. Yeah. Right. Because it is. Y- y- like, I'm gonna probably take the weight of them down, but then give everyone more steals, or or, or not everyone, some people more steals. So that might just kind of be a wash. Right. right. So now all of a sudden the the 20 I project for Bichette next year instead of 15 become just the same value as 15 would have been this year or something along those lines. So that's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out when we actually do the projection. I'm This is me being a projections nerd now, like like when I yeah. actually do the projections, it's be interesting to see how it shakes out differently well, um, than it did this year. And just I was going to uh, baseball savant. And Bobachet's sprint speed is down a little bit. It was at 28.0 last year. Uh, it's 27, 27 and a half this year, the lowest he's been uh, in his four years as a major. His position rank has dropped to 36, was 25th last year. Uh, you know, he, he's as a percentile, it's now like 53rd percentile sprint speed. So it's nothing special. So maybe I don't boost him up that much. Right. Yeah. No, that's quite possible. And I mean, he's only like, he's 24. He's going to be 25 next season. It would be weird for him to, to lose sprint speed. I, it'd be a little weird for him to lose much sprint speed already. Uh, but the numbers are what the numbers are. Right. Yeah. So maybe he has, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing to think that he's lost sprint speed because he's not a big player. He's, he's really young. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and I, I wonder if like, I'm looking now, you can break it down by feet too, which is kind of crazy on Savannah. And I'm just looking at it now a little bit there to see if like, where is he losing that speed? Is it a first mm-hmm. step? It doesn't appear that's necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Back to his, the first five feet, he's actually, a, you know, one one hundredth quicker, uh, mm-hmm. if that's possible. It's just, he's losing it in the like, you know, he, he actually starts slowing down, you know, losing that, that advantage around the 30 foot mark. So that's actually not good. That doesn't bode well for us. You know, if you're thinking about it there, top end speed is where his problem's at. He's he's getting jumps just fine. He's just not completing the run as much. Man, I'm right. thinking way too much about this. As someone who <laughs> is doesn't have any sprint speed whatsoever, uh, that would be, you know, you know, it's really rich of me to comment on somebody else's. Oh, this is where he's losing it. Um, someone who never had it. But uh, anyways, I, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I think he's second rounder. Um, so let, let's compare him versus other shortstops. Trey Turner obviously going before him. Yep. I think he's the only obvious shortstop. Bobby Witt versus Bo Bichette. I'll take Witt at this point, I think, because I'm more secure in the stolen bases. 
Okay, you're going to lose some power, though. And I know. And you're know. definitely losing counting stats. Well, how much power am I really going to lose? Because Bobby Witt's got 20 home runs this year. True. And Bichette right now has 24. So and he like, could get more in his, as he becomes more experienced. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know if I'm losing a lot of power. What I'm losing is some batting average. What I'm and you're losing I'm, RBIs and runs. And right, so I'm losing some RBIs and runs and some batting average to lock in the steals see this is the interesting thing and then <laughs> if i think there will be more steals around baseball yeah i don't know let's 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 say okay let's say that, yeah i don't know i don't know now i'm starting my mind's just like if i wasn't if there wasn't going to be a change i might have projected bichette for about 15 steals next year i probably project wit for 30 um mm-hmm. so it's whether those 15 steals are worth the, the gap in all those other categories i don't see the royals still next year having like a great lineup it could be better but I can throw on the upswing a bit, but, and the Jays like, we'll have something in between like a good lineup and a great lineup next year. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I think I'll, I'm still going to, I'm still maybe in my 2022 steals are so scarce mindset, but for right now, I'm going to say wit. Okay. What, what else? And I purposely went for someone that's not in the top five right now, by the way, among shortstops with Okay. Witt. Bichette is actually, he's fourth among shortstops according okay. to Rotowire's earned auction values. And he must've been like before this heater, like his OPS in September is like 1700. Yeah. So before that, he must've been like 10th or something like that. Like he'd be rising right now so fast. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So number two though, there's two guys tied for second. Uh, I'm sure, sure there's uh, at least rounding up to a uh, full do- dollars, but Francisco Lindor and Dansby Swanson are both uh, worth 31 this year and Bobish at 28, according to our earned auction values tool. Uh, so let's start off with Francisco Lindor because we know where he's going to be next year. He'll, he'll be on the Mets. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a known commodity at this point in time. Uh, had a really horrific year last year in his first year. Good second year. I always think of Rick, uh, Rick Wolf and Glenn Colton talk about year two of a big contract for some of these players. So Francisco Lindor in year two, he's hitting 269, but 23 homers, 92 RBI, 87 runs, 15 stolen bases. A far better year uh, than last year. Lindor or Bichette next year? I'm going to take Bichette. I actually see these two as like so similar as far as like, like probably next year I'll be projecting Lindor for about 25 homers, Bichette, something like that. They both are in good offenses. I'll take Toronto's offense, but not by much. Um, but I'll take mm-hmm. Toronto's offense. And then the steals, like Lindor's going to finish this year with, he's at 15 or probably be whatever, 17. And that's not far off what I project probably Bichette for next year. Maybe a couple more steals, but where I'll give it to Bichette is, so Lindor's 269, last year's 230, the year before he's 258. Um, so we just haven't seen him. Right be like the 280 type hitter his career is 277 but a lot of that's boosted by his first couple of years he hit 300 right that's seasons. right so i think there's just a better i think i'll take the probably better chance i get a 280 average from bichette 348 uh woba this year um babip is only 299 so it's not like he's running lucky but he no. also hasn't had a babip a over 300 guy. since yes. 2016 He's yeah, he's never is, been a high Babbitt guy. No, he's a low. Yeah, he's a low Babbitt guy. So again, now there's a whole other kettle of fish where we'll have to talk about how defenses are lining up against each individual batter in the right, and how and that's going to change. change. Yeah, right. And if it could that lead to any of these players having a spike in batting average, and that'll be a discussion for another day. But just on what we just talked about, I'll take Bichette barely. Yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. Uh, and I'm I'm starting to think about. Uh, you know, of course, a, a little bit more about cl- st- look a little closer, see like 
whereas hard hit percentages, uh, it's actually yeah. a little down from last year. Uh, okay. Exit velocity, on the other hand, uh, is also slightly down. 90.7 last year, 89.4 this year. So okay. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, uh, you know, I, it's not like he's running lucky. I don't feel like he is. No. And, and I will say also talking about these guys as second rounders, I think I off the top of my head, I'm going to view Bichette and Lindor as late second rounders, second, third type rounders. I yeah. just, because there's a lot of pitchers that I like in the, in that second round group. So I think when I'm ranking players, if I had to guess that these guys are both going to come out as, is like two, three turn type guys that where, where you pair them with a pitcher. Because I, yeah. I don't love the, the, I don't right now love the idea of taking a pitcher in the first round, just based on the, the group of pitchers that are going to be available next year and how they perform this year and how old some of them are and things like that and injury prone some of them are. So I feel better about right now, I feel better about starting with a hitter, then grabbing the best pitcher. And then, yeah, so I, I think I, some of these guys might like Bichette and Lindor might end up in the third round for me. Yeah. I'm not really committed to that yet. Um, right. You know, I, I can I can see such scenarios there where starting with the uh, or getting a pitcher in their first or second could still work. Kind of depends on where I am in the draft. Uh, but you know that that that's that that's to be determined. I don't like getting yeah. locked into that. I think right. you you miss out on some opportunities when you get so locked in on that. And I feel like no. I definitely did that in uh, the first of my two main events, for instance, there. I just I, have a, So yes, you're right. So my guess is that when I project my stats and do my SGPs that the, that I won't have pitchers in my top few players that I just, my gut is that I won't have any of them or many of them pulling away from the pack, Fair which, enough. Will, which will leave me looking at them. But I think I'll have a lot of them projected well, which will leave me maybe interested in them more in the second round. Okay. Yeah, cool. like cool, this cool. year, Cole and Burns were in my top five or six SGPs. I I don't know if someone's going to be next year. Yeah, uh, I don't either. I really don't yeah. either. I mean, yeah. the thing is, maybe the elite pitchers are going to be more valuable with all these changes that are purportedly going to help hitters yeah. hit for average. It's it's quite possible, or the guys with a lot of swing and miss in their game, right? Who don't let yeah, more, maybe that the guys who have a lot of swing and miss in their game and don't let the ball get put into play. In yeah. the first place, like that, this may hurt like Sandy Alcantara because he doesn't strike out guys at as high of a rate, whereas someone like Corbin Burns does. So he's not playing the batted ball game as much. Right. And that, that's right. Yeah. Uh, good question. All right. Uh, uh, so the other guy, Dansby Swanson, our, our man Dansby, he's uh, he, he's also at $31 so far this year. He's he's getting there with surprising amount of speed, 17 stolen bases, 19 homers, 283. Uh, 84 RBI, 91 runs. I mean, we, a lot of this depends, I think, of where Dansby ends up. If he resigns with the Braves, I'm I'm probably going to be all back in on him. Um, although I'm I'm certainly not going to get him at the, the 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 discounted rate that I got him at. He was like around pick 100 in a lot of cases. Uh, he's going to go in the top three rounds now. Are you willing to pay top three round price for Dansby Swanson? No, I don't think so. Um. No, I'm not. I, I just think, so the steals are a career high by a lot. Like his mm-hmm. career high before this was 10. Um, batting average is, is 283 is, you could call it a career high. It was a little better in a brief rookie year, but, or a brief debut year or whatever. I don't think that, I think the next year is his official rookie year, but, um, but his Babbitt's higher this year, much higher than it usually is. I think yep. he's a two career 255. Like I have a hunch when I project him, he'll be more like that 260, 265, something like that. Right. Uh, I, yeah, like I said, I think I'll push the steals probably back a bit to more like, 
a dozen or some of that. Again, not factoring in the base changes and if I move everybody up. But um, yeah, I think his power's kind of legit is in like a low to mid 20s. I don't know. I just think he's going to come out, say, compare him to Lindor. I think I'm going to have Swanson just like a little bit lower in every category. And then that just okay. all adds up to him being like two rounds behind him. Yeah. He yeah. hits the ball harder. I will say that. Right. And a little bit in his defense about the Babbitt. Uh, right. But the strikeouts, I mean, the strikeouts are still there. Um, yep. They haven't improved at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's going to be your first mark against when you're trying to figure out batting average. I tend to agree with you. I won't be paying a top three round price and it'll hurt me every time he goes. Uh, but I think it's, I, I think, you know, and maybe, maybe other people see the same, same thing though. I mean, obviously we all look at the same stats, right? And we're yep. all, I yep. mean, we don't have this special insight. If everybody else is sharing that concern, maybe I get them in the fourth round and then well, let's go. I might be back onto mm-hmm. that again. Yep. I could, I could see that for sure. Yeah. The other thing will be is that shortstop is so, so, so deep. So for me to grab yeah. one of these guys, it'll like, I will grab them because I want to get some steals early, but um, they'll have to stand out maybe a little bit over some players at other positions. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I, I now I have to look and see, uh, you know, where he went again with the uh, fr- the first uh, look draft that Ryan Roof did. I always I love referring to this here and seeing where where he goes and where certain yeah. guys go. Uh, pulling that up here in a second. Uh, you know, Dansby, he didn't. This okay. This is experienced NFBC veterans, mm-hmm. fifteen teamer, mm-hmm. win the sixth round. Okay, like I feel Tell like that's a little surprised. I'm I'm all there for that. You're there for that. I feel like that's fair. I feel like well, again, we'll wait and see the landing spot. But let's say he's back in Atlanta. I would like yeah. round five, round five, like maybe round four, probably round five. I think is good. This year he was kind of more like round nine. I felt like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like round four or five, five. I don't know. Yeah, round six feels like good, really good value to me. Yeah, uh, Nate, for sure. A couple hitters who were going around him, if you have that chart. Well, I'll, t- I'll look at it. I'll tell you the other shortstops. Bogarts went one pick after him. Okay. Corey I'll- Seager went the same round. Wander Franco went in the same round. Or, or ahead of him. Both ahead of him. Okay. Well, I think the Wander Franco buzz is down for now in fantasy. Yeah. He didn't Keeps having setbacks. He's back now, at least. But Seager, this is a cop out, but it's a bit of a build decision. Hammond versus Swanson. Because Seager sure. is going to probably get you a few more home runs. He did not hit for a higher average this year, but career-wise, he's much higher. And I think I can count. I think I would expect him to hit for a higher average. Counting stats are probably pretty similar. Like, sorry, runs RBIs. So it's really just trading off that Swanson's going to get you probably ten more steals, mm-hmm. whereas Seager's going to be like a little better in home runs and and batting average. Yeah. Tim Anderson went a full round ahead of Dansby. What yeah. do you think about that? Um, I'm not usually a Tim Anderson guy, but I know a lot of really good, smart players are. Like, he's not usually I, – I never have Tim Anderson. Like, I don't know if I've ever had him on a team. That would I be have, crazy. I have. Crazy. So, but a lot, I know a lot of really smart people are, are Tim Anderson guys. Um, he's kind of on my – he gets hurt too much for me to project him for a full season worth of games list. So yeah. he hasn't played in a 100- 100 – 25 games since 2018. Um, yeah, even in the shortened season, he missed 11 games. Right. Out of the, out of the 60. He's got a, a pair of 123s. This year, he's going to hit like 
he's at 79. He may not get to 80, but he may get to like 85 or something like that. So I'm not a Tim Anderson guy. He's also like a really high Babbitt guy all the time. This year it's a little lower. Um, but aren't fast guys always high Babbitt guys? His is like really high though. Like in 2019, it was 399. And in 2020, it was 383. And in 2021, it was 372. It's just like, so I'm, I have started to buy in a bit and be like, okay, I guess this guy can do this. But mm-hmm. like, like even fast guys, like very few guys have a three, career 352 Babbitt. And that's what he has right now. Like that is wild. Even for a fast guy in this era, like where defenses are lining up in the most intelligent ways they've ever lined up mm-hmm. on players. I just, so, but I'm, I'm starting to accept him as a 300 hitter. A 290 to 300 hitter. I don't know. I, I'm never the high guy on Tim Anderson. So I, but I did have him higher than Swanson this year. Um, I'm going to guess that I would rather have. Oh, that's a tough one. See, uh, I'd rather have Dansby I, uh, for some of the reasons you cited, but I yeah. will say this still hitting 301 this year. Yeah. Still had 13 stolen bases in half a season. Yes. Still had 50 runs in half a season. Uh, six homers, 25 RBI. It's going to hurt you, but I feel performance like performance went yeah. on the field. Yes. Was legit, right? Uh, if you if you just took his numbers and doubled them this year, he played seventy nine games. Like he'd have a hundred runs scored. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can never. I just feel like now I can't do that for Tim Anderson. I have to. I feel like I should be projecting him for one hundred and thirty games at best, something like that. He hasn't done that, and this will be four years in a row. He hasn't done that. So right, one hundred and thirty games or so, and that just knocks everything down a bit, and then it knocks him down a lot. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. So I probably would take Swanson right now okay yeah. fair enough yeah uh marcus Semyon is three games away from qualifying at shortstop for next year he's at okay. 17 right now uh if he gets there I'm sure he knows that and it matters to him so he's going to try to get there yes come on come on marcus yeah. think about our dynasty leagues yeah. here <laughs> you know uh marcus Semyon, after his awful 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 start is the fifth most valuable shortstop this year two dollars behind Bo Bichette. He's hitting 245 only, but 22 homers, 72 RBI, 24 stolen bases, and 86 runs. He's really resuscitated his season. Oh, absolutely. And when his season needed resuscitating, he was still stealing bases. I, mm-hmm. I always felt like when he was struggling, like the base stealing was his way of trying to contribute, like trying to do anything he could. Not for us. Right. For Texas, like trying to value. No, value for us. I think you were right the first yeah. time. Yeah. No. I felt I felt like he was. But I did. In all honesty, I did feel like he was when he was stealing bases at the beginning. I was like, come on. I watched Marcus Simeon last year in Toronto. Like this is not he does not steal bases this often. But I, I felt like and I know they're batting at the top of the lineup. So maybe that's just like a. I don't know, like that's how they wanted to roll with the top of their lineup. But I did feel like it was maybe him trying to recover some value to the team by being like, oh, Marcus, you know, he stole second. Great. Like he got himself in scoring position. So, um, but he's continuing to steal bases for the most part. August, he only had one. We already has four in September. Um, he's going to be an interesting one. I think you have to put in steals regression. Again, not factoring in the whole pickoff move thing, but he never that's had... the whole. But you do have to factor that in. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to factor it in for sure. Okay. But sorry, in comparison to the rest of the league, I feel like I need to build in steals regression. So what I'm saying is if if, if okay. Simeon right now is 10th in baseball and steals, I don't think I can project. I don't think based on his whole career and his age that I can project him to finish anywhere near 10th next year in okay. steals. That's what I'm saying. So I think I'm going to like if he's 10th in the league in steals this year, but I factor in his career where he had never had more than 15 and I factor in his age where he's 
about to turn almost happy birthday, Marcus Simeon. Later this week, he's going to turn 32. Um, I feel like I need to project him next year to finish more like 20th in steals, something like that. What if I told you he's getting faster? His sprint speed is at 28.8 feet per second. It was at 28.6 last year. His positional okay. rank is sixth. Um, okay. His age rank is third, by the way. Okay. Uh, you know, sprint speed supports what he's yes. doing. Okay. Now you're, now you're faster starting to than get me to Bo come Bichette. around. Now you're starting to get me to come around on him. But actually, what our listeners are getting a glimpse into right now is the whole process of projecting players. Yes. And looking, going one level to another level, like going each going through levels of depth as you project right. someone. We've hit the sprint speed level. Faster okay. than Lindor by like a foot per second, by the way. Okay. So maybe I do need to project him a little better. Okay. Him versus Swanson. <sighs> Actually really similar. I am going to take Simeon. More power. Okay. More power, I feel like, than Swanson. More homers this year, more homers, more homers last year. Okay. Um, steals. They both kind of pushed ahead this year, but Simeon was higher last year and higher this year. They're both more like 255 hitters. They are both career 255 hitters. I'll take Simeon. What about you? Probably, but I'm, I'm telling you, Dansby in Atlanta with that lineup, yep. I feel like they're going to have a full year of Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom and Ozzie Albies oh. in that lineup. I mean, And, and Acuna. And Acuna, a healthy Acuna maybe. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Dansby yeah. is consistently faster, by the way, than Bichette. Every year, 28 and a half uh, okay. is his, his sprint speed. So so I guess my mistake this year was projecting Bichette for so many steals, looking back on it. I, no, I think your mistake is thinking that these guys are slower somehow. Um, right. that, that it's a fluke that they're running. It might be that, hey, they know how to run bet more right. appropriately now. Right. They're able to find a way to harness that speed. Right. Um, that it, it supports what they're doing. I think, I think it's fascinating because sometimes we know that these guys are fast. But as we've seen... That transition from the, the being a, uh, a star prospect and running a ton in the minors to being yeah. a major leaguer, being able to pick your spots, uh, that that's that's different. You know, major league pitchers are much better at holding on. Now yeah. they're not going to be able to. Catchers' release times are faster. Uh, Justin and Jason were speculating too that you're going to see a lot more like throw behind the runner sort of things from catchers to, t- to help stop yeah. the running game a little bit more. You're going to yeah. see a lot more of that. You're going to see more hit and run too, by the way. It's not just stolen bases. You're going to see a lot more hit and run. I mean, all the purists are just the, you know, if you want to call themselves pure, I don't, I, I, I hate slapping a label on purists. Like somehow their love of the game is more pure than mine, but anybody who is hearkening for days of old is going to love that a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I call them purists, the throwbacks, maybe the throwback fans. Yeah, purist is really an unfair 80s. term. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think going back to Bichette for a second, I do think that the data you've given us on his sprint speed means that I would have, I or anyone would have been foolish to expect him. He he stole 25 out of 26 bases last year. He doesn't have the sprint speed to suggest that that's sustainable for him or anything like it is sustainable for him. Like he's not that high on your sprint speed list. No, no. I wonder if it's more just a case here that we should, that it's just that he was maybe catching people off guard. Right. Uh, that, hey, he can run. I mean, he's not slow. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. he's not as fast. And maybe, you know, you lose that half a, a second lucky. of foot, uh, that, that half second there. That yeah. makes a big difference. I mean, you look in the minors. Uh, yeah, his, his 2018, he had 32 stolen bases, was caught 11 times. Triple A, 15 out of 20. Pretty good. Rookie year or same year that he got called up from Triple A is four for eight. I mean, four for four, four of eight. Um, you know what? I, you know, it's interesting. He just 
I, you really spot the outlier in last in mm-hmm. last year really is the outlier. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, this is actually a really cool discussion that you and I both will agree we did not see coming uh, yeah. when we started recording today. But it's a, like, yeah, we're I think we're unveiling like layers of projecting players. And like I said, we've hit kind of the, 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 the value of that sprint speed layer where when I was looking at Bichette and I was looking at more surface area, like, oh, he's 24. He stole 25 of 26 last year. He's a great base stealer. He's got the Jays are going to let him run again. He's going to steal a high percentage again. So he's going to have, maybe they'll even let him run more because he was so good at it last year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like that hasn't played out at all. Maybe I should have had the more thought of, okay, with his sprint speed, 25 of 26 is unrealistic. Let's say he tries 26 again. I think he, he only gets 18. And then right. I would have had a more pessimistic steals view, which would have pushed him down my list. I only have one share out of like, I don't even know how many teams, a bunch of teams. Um, right. So it's not like I was pushing it for him, but I did have him ranked appropriately, similar to where he was being drafted. Yeah. 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 And I think that's where, like, that's maybe it was a spot where I didn't go quite deep enough, maybe in projecting. Although sprint speed also, like you we were saying, changes from year to year, like Marcus it does. Simeon. So, some, in some cases, it does. Uh, yeah. Simeon actually got faster somehow. That, that's really impressive yeah. uh, to be able to do that there. Uh, a couple other things, uh, other ramifications about this. Uh, more pitch outs are going to happen. You, yes. you know, more hit and runs are going to happen. More walks are going to happen because now teams are going to be encouraged to take a pitch, perhaps pl- have players take another pitch once they've first. had the, once the, the pitcher's burned his step off or throws to first, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, hey, let him, let him go. Let him, and I think that right. means the guys that have been getting caught a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. They're going to, you know, they're going to get more breaks. Now, let me ask you this. So what's the stop? You know, if you've used burned your two disruptions or whatever, I forget the exact phrases. What's to stop a player from just taking off? Because the pitcher has to throw a pitch, right? So the pitch, no, the pitcher can throw over a third time, but he, but if he doesn't get the runner out, then the runner gets to advance to second. So, okay, so that's to prevent like an obvious like just a walking lead yes. and just go. Okay. Yes, so that pitcher can throw over. They can get that guy in a pickle, get him out, all good. Yeah. You okay, so you can't take drive. an outrageous lead then. Either. It's almost okay. like so. I would say the third throw over is like bunting for on the on, with two strikes now. Like you can do it, but you've got to nail it. Yeah. Right. That's okay. that's funny, guys. Guys, the odd guy that once in a while a guy bunts with two strikes. I missed that and, part. I'm I'm glad you knew that. So, yeah, so I'm pretty again. I, like we're all kind of learning this as we go and like reading yeah. these articles and everything. And I, but I've been trying to because I find them fascinating. And I actually like some of the changes. Some I don't like as much, or I don't care about. Some I do like. So, um, anyway, so I so I'm quite interested in them. But yeah, yeah. you can throw over a third time because otherwise, like you said, like after <laughs> after you throw over twice, the guy just start walking to third to second base. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes me think that, uh, that, but you know, and my reaction is more like, okay, I don't really like any of the changes, but I'm going to get used to them. You know, there's, there's things I get used to in every other sport. I think it is a little persuade, like the shift, for instance, I'm persuaded a little bit that, you know, basketball has defensive rules. You can't, you know, you know, position a certain way. I don't like it. I don't think it's the same thing. Exactly. I don't think it does anything to address the real problem, which is pitching is just so different than it used to be 20 years ago. The velocity changes, are so different. The way pitcher usage is so different mm-hmm. uh, that it's really hard to hit the baseball right now. Um, and I think that's the reason. But, you know, 
No one really cares what I like if I like it or not. It's maybe just, what do we, we do about it? Maybe when we speed these pitchers up a bit, it's going to make it easier to hit the baseball. Maybe we give them a little less rest in between pitches. I think it's they the batter's fault just as much, though, too. I mean, how many yeah, times do you get adjust the batting glove? You know, yeah. they all channel channel their inner Mike Hargrove there. And I know that's a reference that anybody our age gets. But So least... I'm interested to see that the pitchers throwing the pitches at a faster rate in between pitches, if over a few innings, if that takes more of a toll on the starting pitcher's velocity or not. Yeah. Right. Because so like yeah. if we were doing something else like running sprints or lifting weights or something, if we took less rest in between each rep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that would burn us out a little bit faster. So I'm interested to see if that, and like you said, right now it's the batter a little bit. It's the batter sometimes too, except that the batter can't nowadays, he right now in the current landscape, he can't speed up the pitcher. The pitcher's still yeah. going to go at his comfortable pace. So I'm interested to see that too. If, if that, if speeding the pitcher up just kind of wears them out or right. in a long inning, that right like like a long inning where you're like a 25 pitch inning where things haven't gone well and he's got to keep this right he's got to keep this pace up and now he's getting and now he's tired and he'd love might have more pitcher injuries because of that too i don't know and he'd love to take an extra 20 seconds between the next two pitches because he's just breathing heavy but he can't so and then that maybe that causes him to throw like a little more of a meatball that the the hitter can get his barrel on it and i i don't mind the shifts things like you said the basketball stuff football which we all love as so many rules on offense on special teams for where you can line up and how you can motion and everything else and we all just get used to it i don't mind the, but usually not on defense you can line up however right. you want on defense yeah. so yeah for sure so it's I, like i kind of don't but... like it in a way i mean i still don't i don't like the ban on the shift but it'll probably help some of my hitters so yeah. i don't know uh we'll see i mean there, you still can shift it's just not nearly it, as extreme and you it can't have the four the, guys in the outfield yeah and it maybe puts the game back a little bit more in athleticism for fielding and a little away from game planning right mm-hmm. so like as far as like when you get the four guys in the outfield and everything well now there's also less emphasis on how fast each of those guys can run because they don't have to cover as much ground anymore yeah. now we've got them spread out again now we get back to you know how much ground can each of these infielders and outfielders cover so um yeah i don't know i think i think it's interesting I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, we'll talk more about that, but first a quick note from our friends at the blue wire network. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back. Fred, he's Fred. I'm Jeff. Man by the man next to the doorknob. Uh, uh, we got a lot to talk about here. Um, let's talk. Let's talk some pitching here. Um, Framber Valdez. Let's let's have a little appreciation for, uh, thread for Framber Valdez. No one ever mentions him in the Cy Young race, but man, that guy's good. I mean, he, he's just on set this incredible complete, you know, uh, per, uh, quality start streak. Uh, he doesn't have like the, the ridiculous value, uh, cause he doesn't have the same strikeouts, 169 strikeouts and 179 innings, but the innings, Fred throwing 180 innings right now, 27 starts with like four or five more left to go. He's going to get to 200 in this era that, that in and of itself is massive. Of course yep. you get great ratios, 250 and then 111. Yeah. The guy's been fantastic this year. Uh, Verlander and Cease are probably the big names still on the uh, AL Cy Young race, but Framber, I think he he's quietly in that picture too. Yeah, I love him. I just I love pitchers who can have this like elite something and mm-hmm. make it work. And for him, it's his ground ball rate, right? Is is always the highest of qualified pitchers, or or if it's not, it's pretty much always. It's right now this year I think it's 67%. And for a qual- okay. like a, sometimes a reliever can have a crazy high ground ball rate, but for a starter, we've seen Marcus Stroman do this over the years, but not as well as Fran Valdez is doing it this year. So 67% ground ball rate, you throw in a strikeout rate that's actually a lot like like improved a bit this year. Um and uh and that helps him a bit. Um control has improved also this year with like less fewer walks as walk rates down. So you take someone who's made some improvements on their walk rate, a little bit of improvements on their strikeout rate and just always got the ground balls. So he was always getting the ground balls. He said to walk a few less batters, keep himself yep. out of trouble. Houston's a great team for him to pitch in front of. Like, yeah, I, I think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. And I, I don't think he's an ace next year for fantasy. I don't, I don't even, I think he's a number two or a low end number two, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of think he should be, yeah, probably, but man, I feel like he deserves a little bit more love than he gets there. Yeah. Like you don't think he's an ace next year. Like you don't think you'll have him in your top 15 starters. Do you? I think I might. I think I might. I think what's going to hold me back is, is, is his whip. Like his whip this year is better. It's 111, but his career whip's 124. Like I'm not going to give him a 124 whip on my projections next year, but it might be higher than 111. It might be more like, I don't know, 115, 116, something like that, 117. Again, we got to account for everybody having to change, have their. Absolutely. So, again, so, and I'll also like, no, sorry. So, this is me in a no changes to the way baseball is being played scenario. I would still be pushing his 111 whip up to 115, 116. So, again, yeah, like where I have him ranked in baseball, in whip probably won't match where he is this year. And I, I find I rarely have guys in my ace level 
with a whip that high. Usually my aces have my projections will have whips yeah. of like 1.1 or lower. And Luis Castillo is a good example of that. Like I often, uh, and I'm with you on Luis Castillo. I, yeah. I, I often didn't have him there for that, just that reason. And people would say, how do you not have him ranked as an ace? And I was like, well, I don't know, just math. Like when I project him out, right. I, have whip, right. I have his whip in the one, I have his whip at 120. That's just not that helpful. It's the watch. It's almost this, always yeah. the watch. Yeah. Now this year, Castillo has been much better and his whips 107. And We'll mm-hmm. like I'll dive in after the season and see if I think that's sustainable for him because like again Valdez will maybe I'll be a little lower than I think because Valdez is also he's made improvements on his walks and so has Luis Castillo this year so maybe I got to give him a little more credit. And he's now. a much better home park now too. That's right. So and yeah, somewhat climate controlled. Uh, it'll still be cooler in Seattle, um, yeah. but it'll be drier uh, also. Yeah. But you know they will when it's extremely cold out. They'll have the roof on there. It, yeah. it'll, it'll protect him a little bit more than it would in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So, but that was, uh, yeah, that was always my problem with Castillo is I would in previous years, people would, I always look at where everyone else had him ranked. I'd be like, ah, oh, I like Castillo. Why don't I have him ranked as high as these other analysts do? And then I go back and look at my projections and mm-hmm. think like, am I, am I not giving him enough credit? But it was always the whip. I was like, oh, if I want to move him up, I've got to lower this whip. And then I couldn't get myself to do that. Yep. So that'll be my thing with Valdez. I think I'll have him probably. Houston's a good team with like it's a good environment for a pitcher. I think I'll probably have him as a number two. Yeah. Points in his favor. Really good ground ball to fly ball ratio. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Never gives up homers. Uh, yeah. You know, 0.45 home runs per nine this year. I mean, that's, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's really benefited from the less springier baseball. Uh, Swinging strike percentage has gone up each of the last two years. Went from 9.7 to 10.4 to 11.5 this year. Uh, so K percentage is accordingly up a little bit at 23.2. He's not relying strictly on called strikes. Walk rate is down almost 2%. Uh, so these are points in his favor. Um, you're right, though. It's probably about as good as it gets whip-wise. You're, I don't think you're ever going to get extreme low whip. And that probably is a reason to kind of hold him back just a little bit. Yeah, but if, but but a number two for him would be that would be a big year over year jump because I think yep. most people had him as I felt like I had him ranked higher than a lot of people this year. I have some shares, but I think most people had him ranked as like a low end three or something. So if he oh climbs, even lower, pitcher yeah, fifty four, pitcher okay, fifty four. That's not that's all starters and relievers, and this is just the main event, forty seven main events. Right. So if you take some relievers out, he's probably like in the he's like a low end three, like he's forty to 45, 40 ish. Right. Among yeah. starters, so and if he get if he get up to twenty five instead of forty, that that's a significant jump for him. For the most part, he was in the first ten rounds. Every right. once in a while, he slipped out of that. There, right. uh, average pick was one thirty two. Max pick was one ninety one. Man, imagine getting hit that. Uh, yeah. How nice that would have been. Uh, others that went around him last year: Tyler Molly, uh, Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Michael Kopech. Fremer goes ahead of all of those guys oh. next year. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and I and I will say that. Also, even though projecting wins is frustrating and kind of pointless and really fickle, I have to have, we have to have some criteria to it. And the fact that Valdez is going to finish this year with about 200 innings, like he's going to mm-hmm. be among the innings pitch leaders in baseball. So you take yep. a guy with a really high innings total, the ERA is not in question. It's more the whip, like his career ERA is 3.3. I'll probably yep. have projected for a low three ZRA. So a guy who doesn't give up any runs, who throws two, can throw 200 innings on a really good team, with a good offense and a good bullpen. 
Good like defense. he's going to be among my leaders in projected wins. That's st- I know that people will listen to that sometimes and say, you can't project wins, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got to give it something. Yeah, of course you can project you, wins. You, you have, have to project. Hey, we something. have to, but B, you can a little bit. Right. I so mean- I may not project any pitcher to have more than 15 wins next year, even though a few guys will, mm-hmm. but just to be conservative and not have that win category matter too much in my projections. But whatever I project pitchers for, Valdez will be either in like he'll be in that top tier of projections for wins just because of his his traits his attributes and his organizations right yeah right so uh yeah i i by the way i kind of hate it i think you're right but i hate it like oh let's just leaven all leaven all out no one's going to get up to 18 wins let alone 20 one year list excoriated me for projecting 20 wins for clayton kershaw (laughs) then kershaw got hurt by the way yeah uh, at the start of the season and still got the 21 wins, but it was kind of funny. I got it's just, yeah, the point was right, but yeah. it's funny. The guys yeah. who get the 18 to 20 wins, like they nowadays, like they almost never do it again the next year because it just takes this extreme luck, you know, kind mm-hmm. of circumstance for them to right. get there. And generally, when a guy has an outlier season, you don't project them anyways in anything. I'm not going to project Aaron Judge is going to hit 60 home runs this year, and I'm not going to project him for 60 home runs next Of course year. not. Yeah, yeah, of course not. So not even 57. Or anything like so that. Regress so, to what? Yeah, that's always exactly. the question. This so guy, and that's you know, certainly the case for some guy who runs away with and gets nineteen or twenty wins, yeah. even if he's a good pitcher. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Tyler Anderson, what are you doing with him next year? Huh. I don't know. <laughs> Is he back on the Dodgers next year? Assume, let's he's assume arguendo. He's with the Dodgers <laughs> through seven shutout innings against the red hot Diamondbacks yesterday. Yep. He's now sitting at 15 and three, a 262 ERA, a 103 whip, uh, but only 119 strikeouts and 161 innings. So, unlike Framber, he's not even getting like close to a strikeout per inning. Yeah, yeah. So his his strikeout total this year by the end of the year is gonna be like 135 or something like that. It's not gonna be very good. 130. Um, if he was back on the Dodgers. The do- it's so advantageous. I'd say like a f- SP4 or something like that. Cause I probably project him to have an ERA like of, I don't know, 3.3 or something like that. And a whip 1.15 or something like that. It's just off the top of my head, but the mm-hmm. low strikeout total would really hurt him. So SP4 and, a, and he'd have a healthy win total cause he's on the Dodgers. Yeah. So at least a dozen. Um, if he's not on the Dodgers, like all bets are off. Like I may have him as more of like an SP six or something like that if that yeah if oh that. I, mean, I think he's coming off such a good year like sp6 just means he's in your week one starting lineup so like i, I would i would have him that high he's just coming yeah, off such a good yeah. year that i'd have like assuming he wasn't in a terrible situation i i think i'd like if he just signed with i don't know the twins or something like that like i think i'd have him as an sp6 i was still drafting him in leagues this year like around the end of the draft so i'd probably move him up like round right. like 20, 18, some of that. God, it would feel weird to have him so late after such good ratios right. the year before. He didn't but... even sign until March. Now, yeah. like, well, then again, wait a second. You know what? Never mind. Scratch that. Nobody could tell. Because lots of people signed yeah. in March. Duh. No one was locking up Ty- Tyler Anderson before the lockout. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got to get that's Anderson right. signed before we get to this lockout. Some, we don't want to lose him. For a second there, I just buried the lockout in my mind. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, gonna be, uh, but yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. I feel like, does he take a little less and sign with a great organization or Mm -hmm. does he, uh, 
does he does he get the get the multi-year deal from a lesser team and figure out you know exactly mm-hmm. what you know and, and figure out exactly what he gets paid for there mm-hmm. does he go for the the three or four year contract that he's probably never ever going to get again go like, get that contract yeah of course <laughs> you go get that contract go get it tyler anderson i'm cheering for you from way up here in canada go get yeah. it i've had lots of tyler anderson shares over the years go get it texas rangers come calling you take it take it absolutely yes even if if the rockies came to bring him back it it would ruin your career tyler but take the money yeah i'd agree (laughs) i'd agree with that and they're the kind of organization to do it yep john gray uh he he pitched yesterday yeah uh, speaking of the rangers uh he's back i i kind of caught me off guard in fact because they had that first game of the doubleheader so early and then they had a split doubleheader, which is just ridiculous. I think the Rangers should be suing the Marlins for that. It's just such a joke because mm-hmm. uh, now they're back on. They, they have to go travel after that. A one day mm-hmm. doubleheader where they split the games out like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Uh. He he pitched all right. Went three and two thirds. Didn't go deep, but five strikeouts could be a sneaky guy for the last three weeks of the season. Yeah, it'll, it'll just be on that pitch count and what they're going to do with it. Like he he was great yesterday, so he got through three and two thirds, but he only threw forty five pitches. So right. So I didn't, I didn't go hard on him and fab. He was available in a 50, my 15 team super league. And I think he was okay. the most, he was the highest bid that was rewarded in our league this week. And like, I, I get it, but there's, there was no win potential yesterday. Like there's no way he was throwing five innings yesterday. And I don't think there's any later this week either. I don't think he's going to get like, what's he going to go from 45 pitches to 60? They're out of it. 65. Like he's probably mm-hmm. not going to be higher than that. It's be hard to get through five innings in that so he i felt like there was no win potential this week so for that now he still might end up this week with nine or strikeouts or something 10 or 10 strikeouts that would be pretty cool like if, right. you, if you grabbed him and then after this then he's a one-start pitcher the the remaining weeks so i didn't go too hard after him um but yeah he was good against like a really really bad lineup but he was he was really good it's just gonna he needs to get that pitch count back up to 80 and that would probably take like i said like if the next one's 60 or something. I don't even know if the one after that's 80. It might be the one after that. Right. And now you're in like the last full week of the season, I think. So I couldn't go go too hard after him. But he's gonna be a he'll be a popular guy, I think, in 2023 drafts because he really slow started and then really got things going. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh I will have him next year. And you know, it was frustrating Good. to have this year, but I think he I will have him a little bit mm-hmm. there. Uh I mean the oblique injury, what can you do? I mean, that that's something yep. that could come back. You know, keep in mind, but uh, still something to be worth uh, a little mm-hmm. scary there. A mm-hmm. uh, couple more topics, but before that, uh, got a quick note from our friends at So Rare. Uh, so Rare is MLB is an NFB. Uh, so Rare MLB is an NFT based free to play baseball game played with officially licensed Major League Baseball cards. Sign up at slash MLB and you'll receive 13 common cards to start your collection. Build seven player lineups from cards in your collection and play weekly competitions with scoring based on real life player performance. Compete for rewards with other fans around the world. For more information on gameplay and to sign up, visit SoRare.com slash MLB. There's no better time to join SoRare than ahead of our postseason gameplay. Thanks to SoRare for signing on with us. Uh, we'll be uh, talking with them a little bit uh, more, uh, you know, l- later on this season. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So, uh, you know, Hey, thanks for signing on with us there. And uh, we'll talk with the folks from them on a Thursday podcast to be named later. All right. A couple other guys before we sign off, sticking with the Rangers, Jose Leclerc pitched really well yesterday. You on him? 
Hi, it's probably too late in all my leagues. I thought about him on Sunday. I did not get on him. I regretted it by Monday, <laughs> by Monday night. Yeah, me too. Um, now that Jonathan Hernandez seems to have kind of lost his opportunity at closing. Um, and he did that on his own. Like he had some struggles in some key situations, like key opportunities. He had that really bad blown save early September. And then after that, I guess actually I, I'm, I'm a little hard on him. He, it wasn't bad. It's just his control hasn't been good. Hernandez, right. like he had the, he had the awful one on September 1st where he walked three and gave up four runs and got one out after that though, in his last four appearances, he's walked at least one batter in all of them. And yeah. Them that's he's, he's done. So yep. yeah, I, I just think he's blown his opportunity at least for now. And Leclerc who was once the guy, um, you know, he, like he's getting a, a little bit of an opportunity here late in the season. I should have, I should have put in a bid. I didn't even, yep. I haven't even looked at what he went for. I'm hoping it was enough that I wouldn't have got him anyways. Cause I think I made a mistake there. Yeah. And now he's got, yeah. Saves on, saves on back-to-back days, three since September 6th. Yep. Meanwhile, uh, Joe Barlow still dealing with the super blister. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, he's, he's in rich Hill territory now for length of absence. He, he, you know, he had it for a long time, came back and then went back on it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, he's in that range. Yeah, I mean, just look at the whips between Hernandez and Leclerc, and you're just like, okay, I see it. You know, yep. 162 whip for Leclerc, and he's just yeah. he's just walking, guys. You just can't have walks from a closer. Yep. Uh, Leclerc's had them before in the past. That's been a problem for him. And even this year, 17 and 40, 41 innings isn't good. Yep. Just not the same. It's just not as bad as Hernandez. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's something to watch for for next year. I wouldn't bank on him being the guy next year, but, mm-hmm. hey, we're looking for Mr. Right now. We're not looking for Mr. Right. Yeah, that's right. We're missing. Look, I put that in an article recently. Mr. Right now, not Mr. Right. Leclerc, it perfectly fits that definition. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, is Brandon Hughes a Mr. Right now? So I think I saw him referred to, and I felt like this was appropriate, as like the Cubs ace reliever of the moment. So he's not yes. necessarily the closer. He's just, but he's their their highest leverage reliever. I think mm-hmm. that's a cool, I think that's a cool term, ace reliever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm not the first. I'm not the first time I've ever heard it, but it just kind of caught my attention with him, and I was like, oh, it's like a cool term. Like like your your highest highest leverage reliever is, is too long of a definition, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound cool. Highest leverage reliever? No, doesn't sound cool. Ace reliever. No. I'm their ace reliever. They use me in the most important situations. So, um, I didn't start him in a league where I really needed saves this week because I wasn't totally sure, and then he got one last night although he gave up a run but he pitched but th- this is how i think he'll be used like last night he pitched one and two thirds he threw 23 pitches he's probably gonna get a couple days off after that exactly so he's not a traditional closer but i don't know i project him out to probably a save a week the rest of the and season. how many saves do the cubs provide anyhow that's so you might as you yeah. know i love that you know that's the thing like i've got like jimmy hergett same sort of thing where the <laughs> angels are now using him in random innings and yeah. having him go multiple innings but they never win and they never have save chances so i know and it'll be just your luck the day they get the save chance he threw one and two-thirds the day before exactly right exactly. so it's like what are you chasing yeah. at this point? or it's, they, they actually win but they win six to one so right like, uh, and right. part and because they, of him though because they didn't yes. let the game get closer yes um, yes so yeah. it's like, what each? It's just at this point, it's how desperate are you for each and every save? If and they, I, do they matter that much? Can I tell you how desperate I am? Uh, you can. Uh, I'm super desperate. I have four relievers active in my main event league. That is no longer in first in my league. Uh, I've been passed by Kelly Uganski, and I'm down into the 20s again in the overall. I've I've started to slide back. In fact, I'm going to stop looking at the overall for a while. Uh, but 
and, and maybe that should inform my roster decisions. Maybe go after starting pitchers again for strikeouts, but uh, I just keep getting those guys hurt. Anyhow, like Gonsolin getting hurt was a killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm losing there, you know, and now like I've held on to Gonsolin through this whole time too. Mm-hmm. Eric Lauer just got hurt. So I'm almost forced to go five, four, but you know, so I had four relievers active last week and I got one count them one save. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, that, so and that was on Monday with Clay Holmes, which was nice. I was like, all right, good. You're start like, I, yeah, league. you're like, I'm off right. to a good start. Here we go. Like a five save week or something from this yeah. team. Yep. Ian Kennedy blew one oh, on Tuesday. Terrible. And that was my last save chance for the week. Tuesday. Did you drop him? Ian Kennedy. I benched him. Didn't drop him. Yet. Same here. So he's going to get two saves this week. Yeah, of, course of course he is. I benched him too. I, I swear the last few weeks in this league where I really need saves, I get as many on my bench. It's like, I've been rotating Hughes, yeah. Fairbanks, Kennedy, and I get it wrong. Every week. And I have Clay Holmes in that one, yeah. too. He's been in. Um, yeah. Anyways, very frustrating. The late season push for saves is probably as frustrating as any stat oh, yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be pushing for steals. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be pushing for wins and have nine starters. You yes. Know, it's, you Anything. Know, even though I was so happy with the, the build and the strategy worked until I actually had to get the saves. Um, yeah. And now I'm cost, I'm costing myself strikeouts. And then when I have yeah. five starters and one of them's Corey Kluber and he gets bombed by the Yankees, uh, right? It it hurts so the, bad. Yeah. The other thing I, I've noted, I've tried to make a note of in my mind is um, usually in September 13th, where we are now, like you go like pretty close to like full sellout mode for certain stats, but mm-hmm. just with the season going an extra week this year, um, like into October, going a week into October, I know. I'm trying to remind myself, like, okay, this is more like like back it up a week and maybe I'm not in like full sellout mode for certain stats yet because like you could be like, Oh, I got that category. Like I'm not moving in that category. And then yep. you're like, Oh, there's a little more time left than I realized. Maybe I will still move up yeah. or down in that category, even though the gap seems big right now. This yeah. year's marathon is 26.5 miles, not 26.2. <sighs> yeah. There you go. Um, and, you know, just see you, you've come <laughs> around that last corner, except yeah. no, you got one more corner over there. Yeah. Sorry. We yeah. moved the finish line. Um, yes. It hurts. It hurts so bad. Yeah. And just now I went, I went from rooting for the season to be over today to, Oh God, I need some time. I got it. You know. yeah. <laughs> but I guess that works. I mean, it does help that, Hey, I still have time to fix it. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot of fab to do it with though. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll have to kind of get, get a little lucky. I can't, not every pickup is Michael Harris, um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's podcast, but it's not going to wrap up Fred for the week. Fred's going to be right back at you again tomorrow with me for football. We're going to talk football together tomorrow on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll look forward to hearing Fred and I talk a little football tomorrow. Uh, we got James Anderson doing the prospect pod tomorrow, obviously, for baseball. Uh, and I'll have a guest to be named later for Thursday. So thanks a lot for listening. Take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.